0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of You Can Manage That, a podcast for first time managers who want to level up their leadership skills. I'm your host, Chris Asper. And if you're a first time manager who wants to improve as a leader, then you need to listen to this episode. Joining me today is Matt Todd. And the reason why I love this conversation that I'm having with him is because him and I used to talk and nerd out about leadership development, everything from OD, learning, Values, we would jam out like once a month online and just share resources, share what we're doing. And I've learned a lot from him. So I'm really glad to have him on the show today. Let me tell you a little bit more about Matt. Matt believes in the potential that we all have within ourselves to grow, develop, and contribute to a better world. His passion and commitment is focused on helping people be their best when it matters the most. He believes that we all have the ability and the right to live our best lives rather than just busy ones. For over 15 years, Matt has traveled the world and spoken to and worked with over 100,000 youth, educators, and adults on topics such as leadership, emotional intelligence, sustainable high performance, and personal development. He currently serves as the Director of Learning and Organizational Development for Plans International Canada, an organization that strives for a just world that advances children's rights and equality for girls. And is a lead facilitator at 21 Toys. Matt, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation.
0: For our audience, tell us about your leadership journey.
1: I mean, I can go really far back, right? When you think about leadership, for me personally, it's kind of been a piece of my life since high school, right? When you attend those leadership conferences, you start to learn about leadership and what leadership is. And so it was something that really stuck with me throughout my teen years and then into into my career. I start really kind of Diving deeper into leadership and leadership theory and different styles. When I started to get into university, I did my undergrad in psychology. I was really interested in understanding the role that emotional intelligence played in our day-to-day lives and also in how we connect with and lead people. So you know, when I got out of university, the first job I ever had, it's one of those jobs where you take it and you think this is exactly what I want. And then very quickly I realized it's not. And long story short there, I kind of stepped back and this is part of my leadership journey throughout. I stepped back and I asked myself at that point a really important question. And the question was, what do I need to be happy? At that point in time, I looked and said, well, when was I most happy? When was I really feeling as though I was the best version of myself? And it came down to a few things. I'm most happy when I am at that point in time, I was working with youth, working and serving young people. I was most happy when I was doing something that gave me purpose and meaning in my life. And I was most happy when I felt like I was being a role model and not a role model in the sense that I wanted people to look up to me more so because I looked at that and said, this is an opportunity for me to be held accountable to who I want to be. And so I started diving into that. I spent some time really thinking about that. I actually got laid off from my first job, which at the point in time was like, it sucked, but then it was awesome. And I I found an opportunity to work for an organization as a youth leadership speaker. And so I actually traveled around North America for a year speaking about youth leadership and youth volunteerism and learning and teaching leadership. And so I started there. And after that, I went from speaking and, and talking about leadership with young people to then I was actually manager of speaker development. So I was working with staff in the organization to develop their skills. At one point that was great. And then I was looking to say, okay, what's next for me? Where do I want to go from here? And I had this opportunity to join a company that actually did exactly what I just talked about. They were an emotional intelligence company. They trained and researched on emotional intelligence and the role that emotional intelligence plays in leadership. So I spent four years with them. And what we did there was I took the work that they had been doing with companies and corporations and I designed it for youth. I spent about four years with them developing and designing social emotional learning and emotional intelligence programs and working with young people and educators and adults around emotional intelligence and leadership. So my entire career has, for the most part, had a component of leadership in it. Early in my career it was really about understanding what leadership was and learning about leadership and then looking at how to apply those things that I'm learning to myself and then from there I went to an organization, we actually went back to the organization I had been a youth leadership facilitator with, and I got asked to create their learning and development department. And so I spent about six years with the organization, developing a learning and development department, spending a lot of time working with first-time managers and leaders within the organization on their development, on how to lead teams effectively, how to manage results, how to grow and develop the people around them. And that eventually led me to Plan International Canada, where I am now and serve as the Director of Learning and Organizational Development.
0: Wow. I love how this theme of leadership has been in your story all the way from starting as a youth leader in teaching and speaking, all the way to designing, training, leading teams, and now doing what you're doing. Fascinating. So thank you for sharing your story with us.
1: No, it's my pleasure. What you said is spot on, right? I don't know if I'd be able to confidently talk about leadership and development had I not taken that time to really learn and understand it for myself.
0: Let me just jump off here and ask you this question. Why does leadership matter?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Leadership matters because I think at the core for most of us, if you're in a manager position especially, the work we do is human, right? And, and I think we've seen that exceptionally, quite clearly over the last two years. And so how work gets done how we get the results that we are setting out to achieve, it's not done by any one person in most cases. It requires us to collaborate, and it requires us to build and create relationships and trust and psychological safety. And so it becomes really important for us as leaders to be able to bring people together, to understand each other. When you look at your role as a leader, the way I see it, simply is there are three things that we're responsible for. It's leading people, it's managing and driving results, and then it's growing and developing your team. And I think that those are three things that are really important right now as leaders.
0: Matt, I love that. Leading people, managing results, and growing your team. Do you mind just talking a little bit more about each one of those?
1: Yeah, okay. So you've got leading people, you've got managing and driving results, and then you've got growing and developing your people and your team. I did some training a few years ago around like results-only work environments. And one of the things that really stuck with me that has stayed with me throughout my career is this idea that you don't manage people, you lead people, right? You create the conditions for motivation and drive. You you are a role model in many ways to the people around you in terms of what it means to be a leader. But really I think leading people is about connecting with them Mm. it's about understanding them it's about understanding what is required of you as a leader what is required of you in the situation that you're in what style works best for either the people that you're working with or the situation that you're in whereas managing and driving results is exactly about that it's about the results it's about being able to be accountable to those results and creating a sense of accountability and ownership as a team around those results. And then the growing and developing is non-negotiable. Growth and development is an expectation, I think, of most of the work that we do, right? We come into roles and we say, I want to grow and develop in my career. I want to grow and develop in my role. And so as leaders and as managers, it's our responsibility, not necessarily to grow and develop them directly, but to support and creating the conditions where growth and development can happen.
0: As a first-time manager, I've got a lot of things to do. So what advice Mm. would you give perhaps to yourself or to other first time managers on how to be able to do these three things well, or maybe other things they need to do?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a big transition for a lot of us, right? When we first move from that individual contributor to then being responsible for the results of a team and it is a transition. And, And I think that's important to acknowledge and we don't have to get it right right out of the gate. It does take time I think to really understand how do I go from largely when we're individual contributors being in this mode of execution, where we're doing the work, to then moving into a role where, oh wow, more of what I'm accountable to, more of what I'm responsible for, is about aligning and engaging my team around our shared goals, or around our shared outcomes and results. About building capability on my team, developing, that's where development fits into. And then also as we become managers and leaders in organizations and on teams, there's a component and an element of strategy that we have to be thinking more about, right? Looking at both the long-term and kind of the more short and near-term. So it's not easy. And I think one of the things we want to make sure that we do is really give ourselves permission for it to be a little bit messy. I think it's really important that we allow ourselves the opportunity to be authentic and real with the people around us. I'm going through this a little bit right now, actually, as my team is growing. My role is changing and I'm kind of mid-career at this point in my life. And I'm coming into a position of leadership and of management that is somewhat new for me. And it's important to me in this situation to sit down with the people that I lead and say, hey, you know what, this is new for me too. And so I'm not going to get it all right, right away. And I'm going to look to you to provide me with the feedback that I might ask from you or need from you to make sure that I'm supporting you in the ways that you need to be supported. And again, that kind of goes back to recognizing that we don't all have the same needs. We don't all have the same driving needs or the same desires. And so we have to be, as leaders, I think, very aware of both our people and the situations.
0: Hmm. I like that element of being a little bit vulnerable to your team. You know, yeah. Saying, hey, this is new for me too, and I'm learning. And also, as well, understanding that people are different and trying to understand what is it that they need. Because your needs are different from their needs.
1: Definitely. Right? Definitely. Definitely.
0: I think a common mistake that a lot of first-time managers make is assuming that what you need is what they need.
1: And thinking about thinking about that too, when when we first come into this role, and you've probably you know know this, and your listeners know this, it's you move from being responsible for the results and in an individual contributor to then the work is being done more through you and less by you. I think it's still important that you are with your team that you're showing them that you're you're with them and that you're supporting them in the right ways it's even more challenging and I'm sure we've some of us have had this experience it's even more challenging when you move into that role And you're working with your peers or you're even working with your friends. I've been in a situation where I've had a friend of mine come onto my team and and then I've had to be their director, be their manager. So it can be challenging, but it's worth being authentic. It's worth being humble. It's worth being real about those types of situations.
0: So working with friends and former peers is tough. How did you address this situation?
1: how we kind of address this, one way that we did this, and this has worked really well for me, I still use this, is we had this thing because (laughs) we all wore glasses, which is the small thing, but we all wore glasses. I don't even know how it came about, but we started talking about when we were having glasses on conversations versus glasses off conversations. And glasses on conversations were when I was playing the role of, at that point in time, (coughs) and the other person was playing the role of manager. They were a manager on my team. And we'd have to say, you know, hey, this is a glasses on conversation, which means we really need to get to the work. We really need to talk about what needs to be done. And in some cases, you might find that I have to be very direct. We're not gonna maybe necessarily have as much time to talk about the bigger picture. Sometimes it's just like, we have to get the work done. Mm -hmm. And that would be a glasses on conversation. And then other times, We'd be like, hey, can we just go glasses off for a bit? And that would just be more more fun, more real, more just kind of like big picture. We could just ideate, right? But it was important at that time to just identify what kind of conversation is this right now, but to have a safe way to kind of bring that into the conversation itself.
0: That's Brilliant. That's brilliant. Glasses on, glasses off. It's such a great way to, especially with friends, even with people who aren't your friends that that you're leading, just to be able to say, hey, there's a time and a place. And also makes it easy for the leader too, to just be able to have open and honest conversations.
1: Yeah. 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 That's
0: cool. There's this element here about learning what works for you and learning your style. What would you say are the benefits about learning your own leadership style?
1: Oh, I mean, I think this is foundational. I think it's foundational because self-awareness is foundational and we need to be able to know who we are before we can really I think understand the people around us and this isn't just in leadership this is in life we know that self-awareness is a foundation to emotional intelligence we know how important emotional intelligence is to leadership That foundation of self-awareness to know what kind of leader am I, what kind of leader do I want to be, what are the behaviors or the actions that I want to demonstrate or to practice that will support me in creating strong relationships, that will help me to become more self-aware and socially aware. This is foundational. We need to have that. We need to kind of look at what is my style. What I think is important about leadership styles, I mean, there's lots of literature out there. There are lots of different theories and and different kind of ways to describe your leadership style. But I think it's important to note, like, there's not one style that fits every situation or every person. And, we need to be looking at adapting our styles to meet the needs or the demands of the people or the situation. So it's much more, I think now, more so than ever before about situational leadership. I think the old school way of looking at management and leadership was, this is the kind of leader I am and you need to adapt to me. Now it's much more about understanding the people that you work with and you serve and you lead and, and understanding what does this person or this situation require me to be, right? What kind of leader do I need to show up as in this situation? So there's a huge amount of both self-awareness and social awareness that is required for us to be able to identify that and then to action it, right? And again, this is something we learn over time. When I first started in my in my journey, I was very much, okay, this is the kind of leader I want to be and I would just focus on one particular style of leadership. I wanted to be very much relationship-focused, and that served me for a long time. But then eventually, as I continued in my career and as my roles changed, you recognize that, hey, relationship-focused is really important, it's foundational. But some situations will require me to be much more direct or much more focused on results. So we all have preferences. I think we all have a preference. We have all have a style that we're more comfortable being, and it's important to recognize when that's valuable. It's also important to recognize what does this situation require me to be?
0: What would you say is the best way to learn self-awareness, to learn what your strengths and weaknesses are?
1: I love (laughs) self-awareness. And and what I mean by that is I have a strong practice of self-awareness, and a lot of that has to do with the questions that I ask myself and the time that I take to pause and reflect. The beautiful thing about self-awareness as a skill is that the more you practice it, obviously, the better you get at it. And so there's assessments, obviously. There's all kinds of assessments that we can look at that don't define us, but they give us kind of a sense of where we're at as a point in time so you can look at you can look at strengths so you can look at values you can look at leadership style type assessments and that will give you information that is helpful to you right now it's a point in time it doesn't define who you are and and sometimes we get caught in that trap sometimes we get caught in this idea of okay well this is the kind of leader I am and so that's going to define who I am and so, well, yes, but also it's important to recognize when you need to take a different leadership approach or a different style of leadership. So that's one thing. I'm a big advocate for journaling and I'm a big advocate for asking powerful questions. Some of the questions that I find really valuable to be asking myself on a regular basis, especially in more challenging times. And this is all based on situational awareness. And so the first question is, why am I here today? I might get up in the morning and sit down and say, okay, why am I here today? And I might say, today I'm here to be a good friend. Today I'm here to be a present father. I have two kids. Today I'm here to be a supportive partner. And so it's just taking that time to kind of look at your day in advance and say, like, why am I here? What difference do I want to make today? And then the second question is, how do I want to show up? And usually when I ask that question, I think about how I want to show up and it's around qualities or characteristics. And so I might say, well, I want to show up playfully today. I want to show up authentic. I want to show up supportive. And and again, it's kind of based on why you're here today, right? What does the day require of you in terms of how you show up? And then the third question is what's going on around me? And this is an empathic question because what this does is it forces you to kind of put yourself in the perspective of the people around you. And you can look at that in your personal life. You can look at that. If you have a family, you can look at that. If you're looking at close friends or whatever it is, but you can also use that question to look at what's going on around me in my work. And it's not necessarily true, but it does encourage you to be more empathic. So after you you talk about what's going on around me, the follow up question is what can I do about that? And I love that question because then it's okay. So if this is what's going on around me, what can I do? What's within my control and my influence? to support that person or to lead that person. And then the last question is a personal question. It's what promise am I making myself today? And that can be around self-care because that's important too, right? Like we wanna make sure as leaders and managers, if we're going to show up our best, if we're gonna show up in the moments that matter the most, we have to be taking care of ourselves. I learned really, I think quickly and, and early that what I do for myself, I do for others. And what I do for others, I do for myself. And so if I'm not, Taking care of myself, if I'm not taking care of my mental health, my physical health, then it's really hard to show up my best for the people around me.
0: Hmm. Love that. So I've got assessments, I've got journaling, and those questions. And I think when you do that, particularly the journaling and the questions, you're going to just continuously improve.
1: Yeah. And then that's what you do as an individual. And then there is the seeking feedback and asking for feedback. And it's in the questions that we ask as leaders, it's in what's referred to as seeking upward feedback. So this is something I will try to do at least once a quarter with my team. And what it really is, it's a very short survey, it's less than 10 questions. And it's just, hey, I wanna make sure that I am being the best leader I can be for you and for the team. Would you take some time to provide me as your leader with feedback? It gives you really good insight into how you're currently leading your team and where you can continue to improve but it also creates and encourages a culture of feedback, that feedback is welcome, that feedback is helpful. So questions around, does my people leader give me actionable feedback on a regular basis? Or is my people leader's feedback clear, direct and empathic? Does my people leader give me feedback with a suggestion or follows that feedback with suggestions on how I can improve? So there's a number of questions and then there's also the opportunity to be like, What would you recommend I continue to do? What would you recommend that I need to work on? And is there anything else you want to share about our working relationship? I think it's really helpful. I think it's really valuable to, again, be a really authentic manager and leader who is demonstrating and leading by example, being that role model.
0: Out of curiosity, how do you respond to that feedback when you get it?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's a thank you, right? It's a note of appreciation for taking the time to help me improve as a leader and as a manager. And then it's looking at that information in any areas that may be unclear or that you're like, hey, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. It was creating the opportunity in a very safe space to elaborate. So again, it's acknowledging and saying thank you. And here's how I interpret the feedback that you're giving me. And then is there anything else we need to clarify? Any Anything else you would add? If it's areas like how can I continue to improve or how can I change? Sometimes I might want to have a deeper conversation about that and get some more insight. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Can you help me understand how that will not only help me but serve our team? Again, it's modeling, right? We want to model if we want a culture of transparency and feedback, then we have to model that as leaders.
0: The hope is that by role modeling that when it's your time to give them feedback, they'll do the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Cool. And I think that's also important too, is to on a regular basis, really just measuring whether your intention and your impact are matching.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an important point, Chris. And I, I learned this again early in my career. I had some really awesome mentors that supported me in that. And that was one of the big key learnings, right? Is as leaders, there's our intention and there's our impact. And unfortunately, we're not judged on our intention. We're judged on our impact. Mm-hmm. right? And I've been in situations as a manager or a leader, it's really important to recognize these opportunities where I've had to come back to a conversation that we've had to clarify my intention. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a conversation, a feedback discussion that didn't go the right way. Maybe I said something that afterwards I was like, oh, I don't think that came across the way I wanted it to. So the opportunity then to clarify that intention is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I found that that as you mature in your leadership, when you're young in your leadership, you're like, well, that's not what I meant. And then mm-hmm. you do nothing about it. But then later on, as you mature in leadership, you're like, no, I'm responsible for making sure that my intention matches my impact. Let's just take a step back here and talk a little bit more about leadership. And I think leaders... If you think about leaders, they've always had their greatest moments. And so one of the questions I want to ask you is about being your best in the moments that matter. How can leaders become their best in the moments that matter?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, again, I think it really starts with self-awareness. It also starts with self-compassion. I think early in my career, there was this kind of belief I had that I had to be the best that I could be all the time. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's not sustainable. There are periods of time where it's just not possible to be your best, whether that's because of what's going on in our work lives or what's going on in our personal lives. But it's also really important to recognize what are those moments that require me to really show up? What are those moments that require me as a leader to be that best version? And so it starts with self-awareness. It starts with, I think, a lot of being honest and and transparent. We don't have to be our best all the time, like I said, but there are gonna be moments where it's most important. So if you're transitioning, for example, to an individual contributor, to a manager role or leadership role, if you are transitioning jobs, if you, maybe you're transitioning to a different stage in your life. Once I became a parent, that was a transitional stage. And so one of the questions I would ask, and I still do, is what's non-negotiable for me? And so for me to know what is non-negotiable for me, for me to really understand what are my values, that's really important to take the time to recognize and understand what are your values, what do you stand for? And I wanna talk about values because values are so important. It's not only important for us as we start in an organization or we work with an organization or company to know what the organization's values are, we have to know what our values are. And it's our values I think that really anchor us in understanding the moments that matter the most. And so there's that. And then there's the transitions, right? Those transitions and asking, hey, what's what's not negotiable to me? Right. And so something that's non-negotiable to me in the work that I do is that I'll never be in a position where I'm not learning. Learning is non-negotiable for me. It's a value that I hold really close. I know and, and understand the value and the impact that being a lifelong learner can have. And I want to learn in a way that helps me serve others. And so that becomes really important.
0: So speaking of values, and you said this is something that's really important to you and important to leaders. How can a leader learn what their values are?
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, right? I mean, again, there's all kinds of really great assessments that you can take as a starting point. One of the ways, and this has been said by a few people I know, if you look at your calendar, what does your calendar show you in terms of what's important to you, Mm. right? So if you have space in your calendar for your friends, if you have space in your calendar for learning, if you have space in your calendar for connection or the work, that really gives you a good sense of what's important to you. I think you learn over time what's important to you, We actually do this, and I've taken people through an activity around defining and and aligning your values. And so part of that process is if you were to look back right now, and let's say you just identified the three to five people moments or conversations that have brought you to exactly where you are right now, what would those be? Right? So if I asked you, Chris, and I said, Hey, just define one, right? So if you can think back, what's one moment or one experience, one conversation that you've had that has brought you to where you are right now, like, how would you be able to respond to that?
0: Yeah, I I wrote about this on a post in 2020, I got fired. You know, it took me about two years of applications and rejections to land that job and so when human resources told me that my role was no longer needed, I had to make a choice. Number one, do I want to go back into the job market and apply and put my career in someone else's hands in the middle of a pandemic and face potential rejection in in that experience that I had? Or, Or two, do I finally do what I want to do, which is coaching? And so I chose option two. I was scared, but that was a choice that I made. And I think that was a defining moment. That brought me to where I am today.
1: And if you take that defining moment, I mean, that's that's brilliant, first of all, and, and incredibly courageous. And if you take that defining moment, that experience, and you—and this is an abbreviated version, obviously—but you had to assign a value to that experience. What would that value be?
0: So, I think authenticity would be one, doing something that is authentic to me. Number two, I think some sense of control and ownership, and not putting my fate into someone else's hands. I think some risk-taking and adventure are definitely some values there.
1: Yeah. And so, so you look at those values, right? What's really important is you take those values with you and you apply them to the world around you, right? So we, we talk a lot about the importance of not only defining and aligning your values personally, but how can you define and align those with the values of the company or the organization you're working with? Right. And there's some really cool research, there's a great book called the leadership challenge, and it comes from this book and they looked at that and they looked at, okay. If you come into an organization or a company with low clarity on your personal values and low clarity on the organization's values, you don't tend to be overly committed to the organization or to the work, right? You don't necessarily tend to be a great performer. What's interesting though, is if you come in and you have high clarity of the organization's values, but you have low clarity of your personal values, it's not statistically significant in terms of the difference between that and having low and low. But then you get into, if you have high clarity of your own personal values, but low clarity of the organization or company's values, you actually are, you're more committed than someone who's coming in with high clarity of org values, but low clarity of personal values. And where we wanna be is having high clarity of both our values individually as human beings personally, And then the values of the organization, right? And that's where we can find really great alignment. That's where we can find really great purpose in the work that we do every day and in leading the people around us. So that just to say that personal reflection and, and exercise of identifying what your values are, I think is foundational. Values anchor us. They anchor us in, in, in challenging times. They anchor us when we have to make difficult decisions. And, and so that can apply to our personal lives. That can also apply to the work that we do as leaders, right? You look at your values and you have to have an authentic conversation with someone. Those values can anchor you in that conversation.
0: I love this conversation and I've just gotten so much out of it. As we wrap up, what lessons messages do you want my audience of first-time managers to get from this episode?
1: I think there's a few, I think it's important as a first time manager or leader to get into the practice of self-awareness. I think it's important to look and say, if I look at the leaders around me, you know, what are the qualities or the characteristics of that leader that I want to emulate, that I want to practice. I used to talk a lot about this. As we develop ourselves as leaders, it really has to start with awareness right? It starts with the awareness that you have the potential to be a leader. You have the opportunity to be a leader. And you look at the people around you and you kind of pull from them. You look for role models and you you identify what qualities or characteristics are important and that you resonate with and you try those on. And then as you continue to develop and grow, you start to adapt. And you might look at different leaders and find different qualities or characteristics. that they, they resonate more with you. And then over time, you create, you create your own version of what it means to be a leader. And that can only come through experience, I think, and continuous learning. So I think it's important to start with that. I think it's also important to know you're not alone whenever possible. And I, I try to do this quite a bit within our organization, is to create opportunities to collaborate and learn from other people who are in your position, from other people who are either the same place that you're at, or a, a bit ahead in their journey. So there's lots of opportunity, you know, we're not, we're not alone when it comes to that.
0: I wanna thank you so much for just your time today. Where can they find more about you?
1: Yeah, if, if anyone wants to connect, if you have questions, you wanna chat, if, if there's an opportunity for us to set up some time to, to connect, the best place to connect with me would be on LinkedIn. And it's just, it's Matt Todd, 1D, 1D and Todd.
0: Yes, and uh, there's gonna be a link to that in the show notes. Matt, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad that we got to talk and thank you for sharing your expertise with us.
1: Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I'm really grateful, Chris. I'm really grateful that this type of podcast, your podcast exists. This is something I wish I had when I had first started my journey.
0: Yeah, Awesome. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another episode of You Can Manage That. For more information about Matt Todd, you can check him out on LinkedIn as well as Plan Canada. Links are in the show notes. I'm Chris Asper. For more information, you can go to chrisasper.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. Join us again next time when we talk with other leaders and experts so you can manage that. Bye for now.